I think is at the end we're all looking to understand who we are through films. What I've always wanted to do is uh, take pictures. I believe that in this world everybody is uh, born equally. Because this is how you change your little piece of the world, by doing what you love. A script or, uh, or an idea, I have to like brew it like the perfect cup of tea. As recent university graduates with a lack of job prospects and a lot of free time on their hands, especially now, Pauline and I attempt to be quizzical, intelligent and active women on the hunt for juicy nuggets of advice, news and insight. So, RLC Sounds presents to you Creating Waves. Today we're joined by Elizabeth Blanchett, my mother, who is a photojournalist and is going through quite a big career change, actually, which uh, I'm interested to see where she is at with that. And um, yes, welcome on board. Thank you. Hello, Pauline. Hello, Thea. Nice to meet you uh, online. Yeah, you too. I think we're going to dive straight in. What is the name of your boat that you are travelling on right now? The name of the boat is Absaha, um, because it's the name of the boat that really existed. It's uh, my grandparents. It was my grandparents' boat. And we used to uh, do a lot of, of boat uh, traveling to the Channel Islands uh, and go fishing. And I really loved it. So for me, it's, um, it's the ideal boat is Absaha. And Absaha is also uh, means like, um, I think it's a name of a princess, dancer, princess in uh, Cambodia. So it's a, it's a lovely, it's a lovely name. Great. Yeah, I love that. <laughs> And I mean, I know, I know myself, but obviously Thea doesn't know, but you have quite a big connection to the sea in general, don't you? Oh, yes. I can't live far from the sea. Uh, I become a bit, uh, you know, like, uh, so I suffocate. I don't, I like mountains because they are lovely. But if, <laughs> if I stay too, too long <laughs> between mountains, I kind of feel uh, claustrophobic. I need to have the, like a, a line horizon and see see the sea and nothing after. For, for some people, it might be uh, like scary, but for me, it's a sign of uh, liberty and freedom. So being on the sea is, uh, is what I love. But being by the sea and on the sea is what I love most as a landscape. <laughs> of course, I love my children first, but you know. <laughs> uh, wait, so do you like sailing or um, swimming or just anything to do with the sea? A anything to do with the sea and uh, eating everything coming from the sea. I, I, I can eat only <laughs> seafood and fish and everything by the sea is uh, anywhere, any sea, uh, I'm happy. can relate to that so much because I'm, I'm Greek and we're in the Mediterranean, whenever we go, it's a similar sort of relationship with the sea. Yes, yes, I understand, but yeah. Are you Greek? I didn't I'm know I'm a whole that. mix. <laughs> oh my god, you're my such a My dad is from, uh, Elizabeth, you won't know, but my dad's uh, from Jamaica, but he's Jamaican Chinese. And then my mum's Greek Ooh. Cypriot. Yeah, <laughs> so it's... Oh la la. I know. So <laughs> I'm everything. Wow. But yeah, so... Wow. A lot, a lot of... Yes. That's amazing. Uh, yeah, oh, like Jamaica. Complicated. Yeah, exactly. Complicated in, 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 a, in a genealogy uh, way of speaking, it's... It must be not easy to find all your ancestors. Oh, I know. And if someone's like, where are you from? I just say British because I can't be asked to explain it every time. 
<laughs> yes, well, that's a good thing about being British, actually. Yeah, very true. So where are you sailing from? I'm sailing from Marseille because I'm desperate to leave, you know. I just <laughs> want to go out, to get out of here. Uh, because of the lockdown thing, probably, but not only because yeah. it's not my. Uh, I think it's it all goes with my uh, state of mind at the moment that I want to go back and find live uh, with my roots, where my roots come from, meaning in uh, Normandy and Brittany, and uh, by the sea. So that's why I'm so uh, attached to that boat and what it means, and uh, so I'm living. This place which doesn't, which I feel I don't belong to and which I never managed to assimilate, you see. I, I, I was very happy living in, uh, in, uh, in London, in Britain. It was much more my uh, culture. Here, it's not at all. So I'm sailing from here. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I don't really know the French like geography that much. Well, um, where is Marseille exactly? It's not seaside. Yes, it is a it seaside, is, yes. but don't be don't be offended because it's on the Mediterranean. But you know, it's not uh, it's not like uh, uh, <laughs> it, 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 it's it's more it's not the sea uh, the sea which is a problem here is more like the culture. The, you know, it's not not a very good uh, time uh, uh, of my life really. So I need a change and it's time, it's, it's good time for a change anyway. I was planning to move before the, the COVID-19 anyway, but I'm very glad to, to you know, sometimes you, you think I've traveled a lot, I lived in different countries and I've all, never found any trouble in adapting in a place, only here. I, didn't, I never really fit, felt I really fit here. Yeah. yeah. I understand. Marseille is, is it's, uh, it's definitely int- intense. I love it, but definitely to live in, I can't imagine. But yeah, Thea, you have to go. It's really, really great. Place. I really yes, want to go. Important. I want to go explore like the yeah. south of France. I've never been anywhere but Paris. Um, but I think, yeah, for sure I will when this yes, is all over. It's, it's all over. Yeah. <laughs> okay, yeah. We have so many places to go. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, next question is and where are you sailing to? Well, I'm sailing, I'm sailing to, uh, to Normandy, uh, to the border of Normandy and Brittany, which is uh, a place called Avranche. And it's a few kilometers from the sea. And it's where I grew up, partly grew up. And that's where I really think I belong, really, because it's uh, by the sea, near the seaside uh, house uh, the, the family still has. And it's very near... Uh, England and the UK and I feel also uh, in my life I've always wanted to uh, to go and to go to the UK I lived there so I'm very happy I did that but I feel I still have a very strong connection to uh, this country so being being uh, feeling I can get on a boat and be in Portsmouth Portsmouth the next morning I'm very happy (laughs) (laughs) or you know New Haven or 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 Southampton or whatever. <laughs> yeah, it's not too far away, but you get you get a nice yeah. break from the UK. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, I've got I've got the boss of good things. You know, it's it's good to live in France as well because we uh, like the way of life as well. But uh, uh, but I'm very close to the to the British culture and you know the British uh, sense of humor, which uh, unfortunately we lack. 
a lot here uh, or I haven't managed to find um, an equivalent. There is no equivalent to the sense, to the British sense of humour. So, uh, you know, being close to it, I feel, uh, feel much better. We definitely love our sarcasm in oh, Britain. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, it's just, uh, just so good. And also self-derision, you know, like you don't think too much of yourself. I mean, you're, you're well, yeah. That's, that's very, you're capable of, uh, of laugh about yourself. Yeah, taking the piss out of yourself. Oh, yes, 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 very much so. Oh, yes. for sure. <laughs> <laughs> and I think life, life should be taken like that because, you know, we are not, we are not, not we, we are nothing compared to, uh, you know, when there is something like what's going on at the moment, you'd better have a sense of humor. Otherwise, oh, dear. Yeah, no. Otherwise, yeah. you get to you get down in the dumps, and you have to you have to pull yourself up and be able to make um, light of it. Maybe you can tell us the kind of the narrative in your career that has stuck with you the most. So I I, I went to university to study uh, math, and then I become uh, I became a math uh, teacher, uh, a job I did for about maybe nine years, but I didn't really like it. Uh, uh, you know, I just did that because I need to find a job. You know, you want to be independent and you want to uh, find a job easily. And I, I was uh, good at math, so I did that. And But I really, what, what I've always wanted to do is uh, take pictures because I've always been fascinated by images since a very young age. And I was lucky uh, my grandfather uh, bought me cameras and... and uh, so I started early taking pictures and I always kind of had a, a small camera in my pocket. And uh, so when I uh, moved to, well, sorry, when I was a math student at university uh, with uh, my ex-husband, uh, Carl, we started uh, creating a charity for children in orphanages in Romania because it was just after the fall of uh, Ceausescu. And there were a lot of kids uh, uh, who had nothing and who were not looked after properly in a lot of orphanages in Romania. So we started like um, helping and going to Romania uh, very often with our small charity. And uh, I used to take a lot of pictures of the kids. And I found that photography was a very good tool to document, of course, what was happening over there, but also to uh, raise uh, awareness of what was going on. And uh, we started like a, a sort of a sponsorship uh, of the children from French families so, so they could uh, sponsor a child and help financially to uh, do some projects. Uh, so that's why I started really to, to use photography. Then we went to live in uh, Africa in a small country called Togo. I was still a teacher at the French school in Lomé, but, which is the capital of Togo. But at the same time, I was taking a lot of pictures uh, of you know, people, uh, people who worked on the market and straight children. So because I had all this uh, uh, will to document uh, everyday life and just to, uh, to be a sort of uh, a witness and share those pictures so people could see how other people lived and also telling stories. I've always uh, been interested in writing stories. So that's where I started really, start, uh, writing for magazines. At the time I was in, uh, in Africa. And then we moved to London and in London, I was a 
uh, teacher of the French lycée uh, for two years in the beginning of uh, like 2001, 2002, 2003. And then I was starting to uh, work on a personal project, photography project. And I started to show my portfolio to a Time Out magazine. And then I was lucky because I liked my work. And two weeks after I showed my portfolio, uh, the, there was a phone call, I remember. And the journalist said, uh, I liked your work. I would like to, to work with you on that uh, feature about gypsies and travelers. Uh, because I had done some pictures before uh, on a few sites in London. So that's why I started my, uh, my career as a photographer and a, a journalist because I was also writing for a French magazine as well as taking pictures. And I stopped working at the, as, a, as a math teacher. So I did all that uh, for about uh, 15 years, uh, more than that because I'm still a, a photographer and a journalist. Uh, and uh, so I worked with a lot of different people, mainly Time Out, mainly uh, other magazines and papers, but also for private uh, uh, clients. Um, so I worked for and charities. Uh, one of my most interesting experience was working with uh, autistic uh, children's children of uh, of a very good charity. I would I would like to mention called uh, Ambitious About Autism in North London and I was lucky to work for them as a, as a photographer when they had an event, when they had a celebrity coming to, the, to their school or when they had something they really wanted to document and at some point I said to them, you know, those kids sometimes they want to take my camera and they want to use it and they, so, so why not try to create some uh, workshops and I'm happy to, to, to try something and to uh, you know, to, to try to deliver some uh, kind of workshop. So I did that for a few years because I said yes, because I was what I liked about them. They were kind of very interested in any uh, thing. It was a bit like, uh, they call it art therapy, but I didn't know the word at the time. But, you know, it was like uh, giving those kids uh, a tool uh, to communicate, really, or to show things they couldn't, uh, really show with other means of uh, communication. So uh, I did that and we did some exhibitions and some books and we had a, a lot of, I had a lot of, uh, of uh, I mean, I really liked doing that. I started to work for Lonely, Lonely Planet and for other travel, uh, you know, agencies and things, writing mainly. And also working still on my old, old projects, like uh, I've never stopped working with um, orphanages for, uh, in Romania, uh, following what happened to them, uh, what the kids I've ne I met like 30 years ago, what happened to them. I also work on with gypsies and travelers. And uh, another obsession of mine is uh, prefabricated houses, post-war, prefabs, which took me to become the, the British, the UK uh, prefab expert. Don't laugh. So I'm writing books about prefabs. Voila. And she uh, also got named <laughs> um, most boring oh, woman. Yeah. No, 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 no. It's much better than that. I am proud. I am proud to be uh, 
one of Britain's dullest, dull, 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 je sais, I, don't, I never know, dull, 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 most, well, dullest woman in Britain because of, uh, or thanks to my, uh, my obsession with uh, prefabs. So I'm part of the dull men's club, which is normally a club for men, but we are a few women. Okay, I was so confused. I thought Pauline was just insulting you. <laughs> and no, 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 uh, it's true. It's true. <laughs> that's what some people. They say, that's what people think because when I tell I say the I tell the story of my life. So oh, she's traveled. She's done so many things, and then she's Britain's mm -hmm. dullest woman. Yes, I am. I'm very proud. I am on the calendar. I am on the on the calendar of the most uh, of you know dullest people in uh, in in the UK 2017 calendar. Yes, with my photo. <laughs> that's a trophy. That's my best trophy. I love that. Yeah, I um, think that's great. I honestly, though, your life is fascinating. I could, I, I whoever named you that, I, I'm gonna, I'm gonna challenge them. I, I could listen to you talk all day. Well, you can, you can, you can challenge the, the my, my title of uh, dullest woman. It's not easy to get. You have to be really dull, and you like spending hours in a shed and things like that. You see, that's. Uh... I guess then in lockdown, you're surviving well. <laughs> What are your inner sharks? So, what are your deepest insecurities? This can be like anything, like personal career, uh, maybe even about the career change. Um, and then, if they've ever like consumed you, or were you able to fend them off? I was much more scared when I was younger. I was scared of a lot of things, um. uh, like being being a bit uh, alone, maybe. No, well, not not really. No, I, <laughs> I was scared by the people out, the the world outside a bit. So maybe that's why I did travel and I did a lot of uh, a bit of challenging thing. We say which I didn't really, you know, like getting out your your what you call your comfort zone. Because I was maybe a bit scared of that because we didn't have the internet, we didn't have the, all the information people can get now. So when you travel, that's where you were really uh, in in front of yourself. So, but I really loved doing it. But it was I must admit I, I was scared sometimes. Maybe could you kind of yeah tell us about your career change, um, but also maybe a, the uh, the highlight of your career. Ah, the best bit. Ah, <laughs> the best bit is uh, is uh, also there are a few good things, uh, interesting things I think. But uh, the dullest woman of uh, of the UK is something first. <laughs> but another thing I'm very proud of is uh, um, about the prefabricated houses. Um, in back in 2000. One, when I started taking pictures of post-war prefabs, uh, which were built uh, to house people just after the war and supposed to last 10 to 15 years. Uh, uh, and actually what happened is uh, uh, thousands of them were still up in 2000. And all people, mostly old people, were living in them and they were being the prefabs were being pulled down one after one and no trace was uh, kept from their presence and they were erased like the memory of those people who were mainly working class people. You had prefabs everywhere in the UK. In London, there are still some actually, but 
you know, I felt it like uh, I felt like when I it was like a national treasure uh, and that people was uh, were uh, didn't care about them because uh, they related to the to the working class and there was no museum for the poor. Uh, very, it's very rare that you will find. There are some now, but at the time it was, uh, you know, like heritage was uh, was more like castles and uh, uh, what's the name of, um, you know, like all those beautiful buildings, uh, yeah, country homes and the aristocracy uh, uh, buildings and uh, estates and etc. So I started to photograph them very systematically, a bit like a train spotter, and also met a, met a lot of people, and I was more interested in the people and their stories, what they were saying about their house and why, why they were so attached to their house, which was supposed to be temporary. And then all that project grew and grew, and I managed to get the attention of, uh, you know, English heritage and publications and stuff. And they ended up listing some of them. And I mean, all the work I've done, uh, it's not because I'm, I'm pretentious or, or so, you know, I think I saved quite, maybe a few prefabs and also uh, as uh, given a voice uh, to people who lived in prefabs because I wrote books, I did exhibitions and there were also people who were involved. It was not, I mean, I was, uh, I did it for me, of course, but I did it for them as well. And I think that's a good achievement. And I'm doing that as well in France now because we are, we are 10 or 15 years backwards to, <laughs> because we have prefabs as well. So I think that's a bit of a, a kind of a fight, a life, uh, yes, I think for me it's a it's a great ab accomplishment because I think I I somehow I helped uh, to uh, highlight the fact that uh, we need also to to remember you know the the heritage of uh, working class people. Oh yeah, no, I agree. I did history at uni and and it's all very one dimensional. Some of it from like very privileged male viewpoint majority of the history. I think that's really important. Yes, that's very important. And I, I know there are some uh, good inis initiatives, uh, especially, especially in Birmingham, where they have a, a tenant, you know, tenements museum and, things, uh, and other things going on. I think it's a, it's a great... Uh, uh, so I created a prefab museum in a prefab, but it was temporary and unfortunately it, it burnt uh, and it was a criminal uh, fire, uh, arson. So that was not a very good. Wait, what? Yes. Do you know who, or how? Well, we 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 call, Well, the police uh, stopped. The, the police said it was uh, admitted it was a criminal, but uh, they didn't pursue. They didn't. They said they didn't have any police force to uh, to deal with this kind of thing because there was no. Uh, fortunately, there was no victims or no. You know, just just uh, just damage. Uh, the place was completely, you know, burned down. But we were attracting a lot of attention uh, from um, from TV and things to save the prefabs. It was in Catford, South South London, and there was a big estate of prefabs, and there were uh, developers who really wanted to get the land and to uh, evict uh, the people on 
who are living in prefab. So they were doing it in a very hopeful way, waiting for people to die or like separate them from their neighbors, like uh, trying to uh, uh, to get old people to homes or small flats to get the, the land back because it was all social, mostly uh, social housing. So that was a, a difficult fight and uh, well, I lost at the end because I burnt my, uh, my prefab. But anyway, I brought some attention and I still remain a, a prefab expert in terms of architecture, social housing in, in the UK. So, voilà. So that's a big achievement. And another one which I wanted to highlight, which is much more related to uh, uh, my... Uh, uh, attachment to uh, my fascination for photography and images is a story of uh, uh, Dimitri, which is a, a Russian uh, a Russian boy. In 2017, I traveled to Moscow for work uh, to write a, a guide, and then uh, I went to a, to a market, to a flea market, and bought an old camera. And when I, because I collect old cameras and it was a like 1980s uh, camera. So I went back to, to France and then I got, I wanted to give it to my sister. Uh, so I gave it to my sister and she said, uh, oh, there is a, I opened it because I wanted to put a film in it. It was a film camera. And I noticed there was already a film in there. So I just closed it down. Again, and I took it to the to lab uh, in Marseille and said to the guys, "Look, there is <laughs> there is a film inside. Can you can you get it uh, developed? Maybe we get something out of it." But you know, I, I doubted it because it probably had been there for for decades. So they managed to get the pictures from uh, that film, and it was a set of black and white pictures dealing with a small boy. They were all about a, a, a young boy, uh, maybe uh, seven or eight years old. And all the pictures were related to one day of his life. And, and I found out later it was the first day of school for him. So, and I, when I saw the pictures, I thought, you know, I've got to find this boy because those pictures don't belong to me. And uh, I need to, to find him to give them to him because it's part of his life, it's part of his, his, his memory. Uh, so I launched uh, like a big uh, social media campaign, <laughs> like an Instagram account called uh, Looking for the Russian Boy. And I posted like, I have, I have a friend uh, who speaks with Russian in London. So she, uh, she translated, uh, you know, sentence, very short sentences for me, explaining the context. Uh, what happened where I found the, the camera uh, and my quest which was to find that boy uh, and then I launched uh, the Instagram posted a new photo from the set of photos every two or three days and then it got a bit like viral really because some people started to, uh, to comment on the picture saying uh, oh it must be like 1990 or 1989 because of the, the car in the pictures because of the school uh, there are signs which show that you know we must be in 1990 just before the, the end of the USSR um, and then 
it kind of uh, stopped a bit. And I thought, well, I'm not going to find him. And then I had this idea to uh, get in touch with a Russian uh, photography um, paper, publication, and explain them. I explained to them the context and uh, if they could help me with our network in Russia to find that boy. And then a few days later, I got a text, a WhatsApp message saying, hello, my name is Dimitri. I'm the Russian boy you're looking for. <laughs> so that was a no. bit of a, it's, it's a miracle, a miracle really? story. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, That's amazing. And that was him. And he, he, he's, it's very funny because uh, uh, he, this, this guy, Dimitri, he is now 35. So yes, so it was 28 years before uh, those pictures. And uh, he said to me, well, you know, I never use uh, social media. I don't like social media. Uh, so I'm not on Facebook. I'm not on the Russian equivalent. I'm not on uh, Twitter or anything. Uh, but it's a friend of my mom or, and, uh, who found me and, 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 and said to me, look, there are those pictures online. It looks like you, but I never seen those pictures before. Of course, nobody could have seen those pictures before because I was stuck in that camera. And uh, he was so happy to get the pictures and uh, we became very good friends. We met each other a few times since we, we went back to, uh, I went back to Moscow with Pauline. She was there. Uh, and we went back to, for Christmas, just after Christmas, to spend a week uh, with Dimitri and his family. And we became very good friends. He came uh, to Marseille and I met him last year in Lyon. So, so we are very, very close now. The, the story of pictures has kind of uh, made us as if we knew each other for, for, for decades. And uh, that's, that's an incredible story. So that's... that's the magical story of my career and uh, and the prefabs are my uh, kind of uh, small uh, social victory fight against uh, against greedy people and stupid people. <laughs> I know I really like that story. That's really heartwarming. Yeah, it's yes, a really it is, story. and it was like a magical, uh, you know, like Christmas tale, because it was just before Christmas. I, 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 I he found me actually, and uh, and, and yeah, the story exactly. that we we really got on. I mean, it's just like uh, we said we we need to have a Skype uh, conversation <laughs> to meet, and that conversation is yeah. hilarious because we don't know each other, but we we laugh, we talk about plenty of things we 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 kept on uh, drinking glasses of wine and uh, and I saw his, his sons in his, his wife and we, we we really become you know he's my uh, Russian friend and I think a lot about him for some mysterious reason I don't know it's just uh, uh, a connection which uh, is like no, nothing else I don't know it's it's, it's not like a love story or anything like that. It's more like a, a very deep connection with someone. I also love that you called it a quest. Because <laughs> it is. It's like a modern day quest. And I realized that story, I know, because it's a bit like pe you meet people in your life and they, with, even without uh, really wanting it or, you know, have uh, an agenda, they, they are people who are going to give you a new sort of direction. They are going to 
they're going to make you realize uh, a lot of things you haven't realized, you know. And it's not necessarily someone who you are close to. It's someone who is going to tell you something or make you think about something at, at a particular time that you need uh, this, this quest, as, as you say, I say, or it's like uh, something I've always done, really, looking for people, trying to find out what happened to them and uh, meet them again and being really interested in that. So I haven't tried to find any kind of psychoanalysis, psychology, psycho, psychoanalysis behind that. Uh, so I don't know where it comes from, but it's something I, I have. And so I thought I'm going to change career and work now, instead of working with publications like uh, magazines and stuff, because, you know, it's difficult at the moment. It's, uh, I mean, financially and everything, people are closing doors. It's very sad. Uh, the industry is not going well. I thought, you know, all what I've learned in terms of uh, searching and finding people and uh, have this uh, kind of uh, uh, tenacity to find, uh, to find them, I'm going to offer them to, to people, to, to private uh, you know, customers or clients, people who want to find someone. It can be an ancestor, it can be a, a long, uh, t a long uh, someone they, they haven't... Uh, yeah, exactly, long-lost relative or, or someone they really liked when they were at school or whatever. So, that, so that's why I'm creating now a new business uh, about business, yeah, you know, uh, a new a new career in genealogy and uh, in the finding people, really. I'm a family investigator or something like that. <laughs> voilà, something something like that, and all uh, and also uh, you know based a lot on on photography because I've learned how to. Uh, to really look at pictures and see things in pictures uh, that have helped me in, uh, in, in all my researches and things. So you always see things in pictures. Even if you look, the, you look I'm working a lot on my archive at the moment because, you know, uh, because of the, this confinement, uh, lockdown time, we, we, we are a lot indoors. So I'm looking also at my personal archive, P pictures I took and I see things I hadn't, I, I've forgotten, of course, and other things in pictures I hadn't seen before. So the importance of pictures, yeah, it's very, it's very important. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I have a soft spot for photography, I think. There's just something fascinating about capturing a moment or a feeling or something. Yes, it's yes. hard to put into words. I've I've tried because we, I'm working with a with a with an editor, a film editor. Uh, yes, I showed Thea actually, and the rest of the Beyond the Red Light. Uh, yes, documentary. Oh team. yeah, the yeah the, we love yeah. that. We, we we're the in trailer. the pub. <laughs> she's 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 fantastic. I mean, Catherine, she uh, she she's another person like Dimitri. Uh, uh, I call them my uh, kind of uh, uh, guard. Uh, come on, dear, uh, angel guard guardians or guardian angels because they look after me and they they are very clever maybe without even knowing it it kind of uh, um, 
saying the good thing and that's gonna make me a, a giant step you see um it's, uh, I, i don't know if, if i'm clear enough but so and i've that's that goes as well with my uh, will to take that absara boat back again and to go back to normandy i'm very i'm very uh, enthusiastic about my new career no it sounds fascinating <laughs> i feel like as you get older the more you get more interested in where you're from like i know my dad he's he's like probably uh, late 60s now He's really interested in finding his roots. Um, he's like been doing it for years. Yeah, I'll see if he needs any help. <laughs> But um, yeah, yeah, yeah. He, he loves it. But you know, yes, uh, yes. I think it's uh, it's something you do when you are. Pauline has always been interested. I mean, in thanks to Pauline that I got the, the 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 family tree because one day she asked my my father if she could get it and he found it for he found what he had for her. And I did a copy for me because I thought, yeah, well, you know, I might be interested in that at some point. And I think yeah, it's an age thing. And also it's something you want to uh, not to die after you. And you want to transmit it to your children. And because I know Pauline has got this interest for, uh, for genealogy and for photography. So I thought I've got to do it for her because she can transmit it as well. And I've got another kid, uh, Leo, and he starts being interesting as well. So, so that's uh, he, he starts asking questions as well. He said, "Oh, you found some new uh, yesterday. I found some cousins in in Spain. Uh, one is is a chef. Is a chef in Spain. So that was very funny. Another one is uh, we have cousins in uh, everywhere in the world. So that's fascinating. Yeah, I feel like I'm gonna have to go back to my dad and look at his now." <laughs> after this yeah you should I think it, is. it must be so interesting yeah yeah go do 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 and there are so many ways now with the internet and things it's very it's very it makes things so easier so yeah i was gonna say should we ask some like more light light-hearted questions now <laughs> so um which ones do you want to ask pauline Ooh, okay so now yeah i was gonna do some fun ones okay So these are like rapid fire, yeah, quick ones. So okay, first one. What is your favorite cheesy film? Like yeah, a yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, les bronzés, les bronzés, les bronzés font du ski. It's a French film. <laughs> it's, it's you have yeah, hey, it's like a film. Oh, les bronzés font du ski is a story of uh, of French friends. French friends, we we go we go to. Uh, to like a, a ski resort in the Alp, uh, in the Alps. And uh, that's all funny stories which happened to them and uh, uh, taking yeah. the piece it's from the it's 80s. From the 80s. But it's a classic. And I mean, I never, I never uh, get bored when I see it. And the kids see, have seen it a few times as well. And I just love it. Les bronzés font du ski. Oh, maybe yeah. I'll watch that tonight. Oh, oui, oui, I oui, need oui. a new oh, film. Yeah. It's good. It's hilarious. It's so it's hilarious. hilarious. It is hilarious. Yeah. <laughs> uh, the next question is, what is your favorite drink and why? Oh, I love beer. But that's... Uh, that's <laughs> Anything yeah, without... Course, I love beer. I've always loved beer. But, you know, I, I was told this morning that I've got to go on a diet. So now don't... Let's talk about something else. <laughs> <laughs> yeah they, if, if you'll you'll definitely meet my mum at some point um and what we'll do is like the only thing we'll do is 
definitely let's go for a drop. Yeah, but sounds, sounds amazing. Well, I, I have some soda water <laughs> girls because now I know just a strict diet. Okay. Well, yeah, everyone's getting into shape, so, so it's all right. Mm. And then you'll, you'll come out and of lockdown and it'll be great. Yeah, so that's good for... for <laughs> yeah, exactly. Which is a song which makes you jump up and dance? Maybe you should talk about your favourite band here because it's quite relevant to... Oh, so I have a few uh, favourite bands, but I really like the joyful uh, band... Uh, called uh, uh, Belle and Sebastian um, and I love Pulp as well and well I love the Smiths oh, and but love the Smiths. dance to the Smiths uh, apart, <laughs> apart from Panic 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 I like Panic yes but Pulp always makes make me uh, very happy listening to Pulp Jarvis because he tells stories in his songs. And, like Bell and uh, Sebastian, actually. Uh, Storytelling. And Bell and Sebastian, yeah, as you say. Yeah, you should listen yeah, to it there. I, I love, those, I love those, those, those British... And British sea power. Yes, I love British sea power. It's, uh, so I'm not talking about really uh, songs, but I'm talking more about, uh, about bands. Uh, if there was a, 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 a song, uh, I would... Uh, yeah, there was a song by Bell and Sebastian. Sebastian called I think it's uh, if you are feeling sinister go and see a minister <laughs> no, but, it's that, but I can't remember the title of the song but well, National uh, Express is a good one it's like a song which is like take the National Express if your life is a mess it should make you smile <laughs> I have never listened to them I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna have a few things to do after this podcast you've given me Just stuff do, to do, do. Yeah. Really good Yes, because those songs are are something a bit uh, a bit sad, but at the same time they've got such a, a, a great lyrics. I mean, Pulp was very. I'm talking about Pulp again because that's, what, what else? Uh, well, I love Lana Del Rey. Oh yeah, more more. Recent. That's my mum's. I'm a big fan. Ultra persona. Oh, I day. love. Yeah, I love. Her. I think our songs are just. Uh, just uh, fantastic. Yeah. She's great. <laughs> so, no, no, no. Wait, wait. Sorry for. No, it's fine. Being so no, chatty. We needed the chattiness. Exactly. So yeah, unless you had anything else to say, I think we are finished. Thank you for being on the boat. Yeah. Hope you enjoyed the the journey. Yeah. Well, I love love being on that boat. Love being on that boat. Yes. And I I am on the I am imagine imagine imagination. <laughs> I am on that boat. And uh, just waiting for for the good weather. To exactly, sail. exactly. Yeah. <laughs> oh, it was really nice meeting you virtually well, through just just your voice. <laughs> nice to meet you, Thea. When I can come to the UK, which I hope I will be able to uh, before the end of the year, uh, we go for, <laughs> for soda water. In, uh, <laughs> With wine on the side. <laughs> it, 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 in a pub in, uh, oh, in Camden. Highgate. That's good. That sounds oh, good Camden. to me. Yes, oh, Camden. Camden. Yes. Camden. <laughs> yes. Oh, sounds great. Great. Thank you so much. Speak soon. Yes. Thank you to you too and uh, see you soon. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye. Now, many of you may not know about the situation. Since the 1980s, the RLC once the world's fourth largest lake, has been decreasing in size because of human activities, mainly because of the mass industrial scale of growing cotton for fast fashion companies. Today, 
90% of the lake has disappeared. This has had drastic and devastating effects on those who live there, including high rates of disease like tuberculosis, a lack of protection for elements, and mass unemployment. In light of this, we are proud to announce our partnership with two charities from the Owl Sea region in Uzbekistan. The World Owl Region Charity works to relieve the horrifying effects of the Owl Sea crisis on the Uzbek towns through partnerships with local initiatives and with a range of cultural and educational projects they aim to provide and promote global support. The other charity is the Accelerator Lab of the UNDP in Uzbekistan, who seeks to cover the dried up seabed with Saxul, a native drought resistant tree as part of their project, The Green Initiative. This organisation is part of the generation who witnessed the disappearance of the ROC in real time. They wish to be the generation who changes the course of history and creates the ROC forest. We really believe in their cause and hope to provide a platform for their work.